Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's bonus episode of iCast Fireball, which we call Meet and Geek. My name is Jacob, a.k.a. Lance Thalen, who will be your host for these special episodes where we dive into the geekdom of each of our cast and how they've come to play this game that we all love so much. Today's cast member in the spotlight is the little guy. The cast member isn't the little guy. <laughs> his, his character is the little guy that I think has taken everybody's hearts. But be careful, because he might set it on fire. Mm. It's the guy who plays people. It's Ned. How are you doing, Ned? I am doing so great, guys. I'm looking forward to, you know, breaking some hearts in whatever way is most... Uh, most apt at that moment maybe i'll use my claws maybe i'll use a bit of flame maybe i will you know replace it with some salami or some cheese who knows or maybe he'll break them just to heal them again Mm. (laughs) you can never tell with fleeple he he's ended up being the most morally ambiguous character that i've ever played in a very weird way fleeple is the heart of the party but also the question mark (laughs) it's great i love it oh dude all right well we will you'll probably get into talking about fleeple more Mm. well we'll get we'll get into that actually near the end of the episode talking about fleeple as a character yeah but let's get into the first little pillar of our meet and geek episodes which is dungeons and dragons ned i would say that you have the most experience. Even Thomas, I think, does not have as much experience with Dungeons and Dragons as you have. Correct me on that, if you will, but tell me about how you got into Dungeons and Dragons. So I have always been a nerd um, ever since I was a child. Uh, I have been very much interested in the things that, you know, not the cool people were not into. Uh, I think it kind of really started when I began reading the Redwall books back in like fourth grade or something. Um, and from there, it just kept spiraling. Uh, looking back, like my friends and I, my neighbors, we would make wooden swords and we were basically LARPing, <laughs> which I didn't realize at the time. Um, <laughs> every every little kid LARPs. Every exactly. little kid is, is, you know, the cowboys fighting the sheriff, the, the you know, the, the medieval times. You're, 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 that's normal kid stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I've always been a big geek, super into fantasy novels, um, The Legend of Zelda, Star Wars, all that good stuff. But I always felt like D&D was one bridge too far. And so it wasn't until my sophomore year in high school, uh, some of my friends from the theater group, uh, department started playing. Uh, it wasn't D&D strictly. It was a game called Roses and Ramparts that my friend Neil's dad had been working on. And they invited me to come play, and I was like, okay, whatever. The first character I ever played was some loose pastiche of Link from The Legend of Zelda, just a guy with a sword and a green sock on his head. And <laughs> green it, it, wasn't, it wasn't long before I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is what I want to be doing. This is actually really great. So it's interesting that I've been involved in tabletop role-playing for over half of my life at this point, but I never actually played an officially published role-playing system until like 2017. So Thomas does have a jump on you in that because his first exposure was high school. Yeah, in that regard, he does. Um, My game that I played all throughout high school was Roses and Ramparts, though occasionally 
I'd just like sit down with my friends and we'd pull out a bunch of D6s or we'd pull out a D20 and just make up rules kind of on the fly. And in those early days, we would kind of trade off who was running the games. And a lot of the stuff that I would do those days, story-wise, is I would just like take classical literature and mash them together. So I had one adventure that was like, it starts out as Moby Dick, but then it turns out and turns into 20,000 Leagues Beneath the Sea. There you go. Or there was one that, like, it started out as the Creature in the Cavern by H.P. Lovecraft and then turned into, like, this combination of the Isle of Dr. Moreau and the Most Dangerous Game. Uh, some weird, weird combinations <laughs> looking back. Um, That's great. <laughs> but, yeah. I was figuring, like, it started out as Crime and Punishment, but then, you know what? It ended up as Ulysses. It was great. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wasn't, my, my reading preferences weren't quite that dense when I was in high school. Um, you know, now James Joyce was not on my, uh, any of my required reading lists back in the oh day. Boy. But after, after Roses and Ramparts, you know, after we graduated, another one of my friends decided he wanted to make a system called Silver Star 2.0. And it took a lot of inspiration from Pathfinder, but kind of simplified a lot of things, brought in some of the influence from Roses and Ramparts. But it wasn't until 2017 was the year, I believe, that Thomas ran my first Pathfinder game that I was in. And that was my first time playing an officially published RPG system. Turns out it makes a difference. Um, you know, nothing against my friends who were making their own systems, but having something that was more refined, it was kind of like, holy cow, this is a different world. And I'd sort of fallen out of the hobby at that point because my friends that I'd played with, they'd graduated, they'd moved to new places, and I didn't really have a role-playing group anymore. But then Thomas and I were in our improv group, Comic Frenzy, and one of our friends came up to us after class one day and he was like, hey, you guys play Dungeons and Dragons, right? And we kind of look at each other like, yeah. And he goes, I've been watching Stranger Things and it looks like so much fun. Can we please play Dungeons and Dragons? And so Thomas agreed to run a Pathfinder one-shot. And as always happens, it, it wasn't just a one-shot, turned into a full year-long campaign. And as Thomas and I were getting deeper and deeper into this campaign, we were looking at D&D 5e and we were thinking, this system sounds really, really cool. Like we enjoy Pathfinder, but the people that we play with they're much more into the story than into the mechanics. They'd probably enjoy the simpler mechanics of 5e compared to Pathfinder. And so I got myself a copy of the D&D starter set and Tales from the Yawning Portal. And uh, in 2018, I DM'd my first campaign. I graduated not too long after that, promptly started two more campaigns. Um, at, at the peak of my involvement in various campaigns. I was running four campaigns, playing in one, and also uh, GMing for Improv Tabletop. And that was, don't do that, guys. Don't do don't that. Do that's that. a bad idea. Don't do that. I think, that's, I think that's where I got the mistaken of like, oh, you've had the longest experience. Thomas is our genesis, I would say, of everybody. Yeah. He's the genesis of everybody. But that is where I'm getting this from, is he's the genesis, but you are, like, the man who is holding multiple worlds. Because <laughs> Thomas, from my knowledge, Thomas maybe was involved in two campaigns at a time, whereas you had four different worlds going on, in addition to your side podcast, or not your side podcast, I should, or the sister podcast of this podcast, yeah, your other podcast. And so, I guess... 
lengthwise, Thomas. Quantity-wise, Ned might have everybody beat. <laughs> yeah, as far as like uh, the progress towards the ten thousand hours, I'm I'm pretty far along at this point. You might say, you've you've gotten your, you've gotten your 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 pilot license. You're good. Yeah, yeah. I I look at the the row of books sitting next to me at my desk here, and I think of how much money I have spent on all of these, and a little pit forms in my stomach. Um, <laughs> But it, it's a good time, guys. Buy some books. Well, and I will say, because we are a podcast, nobody else is seeing this. But as I look behind your shoulder, oh gosh, taped onto the wall, we have some of the lands of D and D. Yeah, let me let me count around real quick. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, ten. I have ten D and D maps from various books I've bought hanging up around my apartment currently. Um, uh, it's. It, it, guys, it's a fun hobby, and it'll it's a hobby. It, it'll cons, it'll <laughs> consume your hobby. life. Let, let it consume your life, but don't let it consume your life to the point where you're running four campaigns at the same time. Yeah. Um, Get a cat. Yeah, maybe I, name it after a D and okay. villain. So everybody, my my favorite D and D five E adventure is Curse of Strahd. I am running it right now for the second time, and I got myself a cat and named him Strahd von Zarovich. It's a thing. Um, and he has already been the villain of us trying to record multiple times. <laughs> uh, he, he walks on my keyboard while we're recording. <laughs> he, he's great and I love him, but he also is a vampire lord who wants to destroy me. Yes. As all cats are. <laughs> when, you, when you really come down to it, that's why cats are jerks. They just want yeah. your blood. Yeah. You know how people talk about spirit animals? Well, <laughs> he doesn't have a spirit animal. He is a spirit villain. <laughs> yep. That's all right. That's oh, Ned. You are just you are the the master lore hunter. I would say of our group here. Thomas is our DM. Ned's got barrels full of knowledge about this stuff. Oh shucks. Well, let's let's move on. And you've talked about this a little bit previously, but our kind of second thing we want to focus on is the other interests and hobbies of geekdom. Because this is meat and geek. Being a geek, D and D is part of that. Dungeons and Dragons. However, there's a lot of things out there that qualify in the realm of geekdom. Mm -hmm. What other interests and hobbies do you have outside of Dungeons and Dragons? And also maybe those hobbies, have they bled into you being a part of Dungeons and Dragons? Very, very much so. I think a good example would be, you know, we've talked a little bit about improv tabletop. That is, I find like the perfect melding of a lot of my creative passions into one. So first of all, it's playing TTRPGs, which is great. But also, it's improv, it's theater, which, you know, all of us on this podcast have met through the theater, mm -hmm. um, which is something that's very, very dear to me. I acted in 13 productions at my university, um, and it's been a great time with that. But some other things that I do for the podcast, like I'm a very tech-oriented person. I got my degree in web design and development. And so I get to record, I get to manipulate the audio, I get to work on the website, I get to do social media kind of stuff. And because I didn't have enough work on my plate with it, I decided that I wanted to write the music as well. Because <laughs> um, like music is something that, it's probably the creative passion that I've been with the longest since I started playing trumpet in fifth grade. And I didn't have as many outlets for my music. So I decided I want to get back into that. So I started writing music for uh, Improv Tabletop. And so it's a great combination of just like a lot of my different creative aspirations. I get to make music, I get to act, I get to play games, I get to 
make cool graphics for our social media. I get to do web design. Ned is, by the way, for everyone to know, Ned is the creator of our logo. Mm -hmm. Whenever you click on the new iCast Fireball podcast, that logo you're clicking on is Ned's creation. So, yeah. Yeah, so my my stank is all over this podcast. Um, (laughs) Musk, we'll say Musk. Yeah, but some other stuff that I've been into over the years, um, I really enjoy getting out into the wilderness on occasion, gone on some big old backpacking trips, you know, 50 miles through Glacier National Park, such a good time. I enjoy video games and board games. I don't know if you can be friends with Thomas and not get really into board games. Yes, if you haven't noticed on social media, we posted Thomas's collection of board games, which is, I it's, to other pro board gamers, it, it might be considered a small collection, but to any layman, <laughs> Thomas is the one we go to in our friend group for a board game, for sure. Yeah, like when the pandemic hit and we weren't able to go to official conventions, Thomas started hosting his own conventions, mm-hmm. and he has enough games to do that. Thomas Kong! Yeah. That's awesome. All these interests that kind of connect to Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, there's Strahd himself making yeah. an appearance. You can't see him right now, but his tail is right in front of my webcam. Another villain, another day. Yeah. Well, for, I mean, you talked about it a little bit that a lot of your, even professional kind of what you went to college for bleeds into this podcast. I guess what drew you to the idea, because you are on this podcast, obviously, you're a huge integral part of it. You also have your own podcast that you started kind of, I mean, you have, you have people who started it right there with you, but you're the originator of Improv Tabletop, our sister podcast. What drew you to the podcast format in, because that, you said a lot of your background kind of drew you to this. What interests you in podcasts themselves and creating them? Because everybody else in this group, this is our first and only podcast we've done, Thomas, me, and Mickey. But for you, you are kind of branching into a couple different things. What does the podcast format really offer to you and get you intrigued? Yeah, podcasts, for me, it's a couple things. It's like convenience and it's specificity of content. The idea that for years and years and years and years, people listen to the radio on their way to work and every so often they'll catch like their favorite show while they're driving around. And all of us have like those mundane tasks we need to get through that it's nice to have something going on in the background. And with podcasts, you find something you like and you can just do that all the time. I listen to podcasts while I'm driving, while I'm cooking, while I'm doing chores, while I'm working on large Photoshop projects at work. It's just a great way to spend time with topics that you love and kind of get that boost while you're doing other things. So that's, I think, kind of the main reason why I leaned towards podcasts originally. Um, But yeah, it's just such a great thing to be like, I know that every week, you know, even though the world is dour and, you know, I'm tired, I've been at work all day, every Wednesday, here comes I Cast Fireball. And, you know, I'm, I'm... not to plug our own podcast, but it's like, you know, every every Monday, My Brother, My Brother, Me comes out. Every Thursday, Critical Role comes out. It's just something great to look forward to every week mm-hmm. or every two weeks or whatever the case may be. That's really interesting because I, I, tying it to my own journey in this of podcasting, I my I lived in Arizona for a little bit. And in Arizona, I, I worked full time, but I needed more money to support my family. So I also got a job as a Domino's delivery driver. Yeah, yeah. And I, we had Sirius XM satellite radio through my father-in-law who had it. And he's like, hey, you can add, I can add you on 
and through the deal I have, I can add you on for free for a year. And I'm like, sweet, I can use that while I drive around. And I found just like by flipping through those channels is driving for hundreds of hours as a Domino's driver, I found the classic radio chip, mm. which is radio plays. Mm. And you, you're so right. There is so, like, I got into it deep. Like I would get mad <laughs> that I had to get out of the car to deliver the pizzas. <laughs> Cause I'm like, <laughs> I gotta know what's happening with investigator Bradley. And mm -hmm. if he's going to get shot by the secret Nazis, like, <laughs> like I, I, there's something so beautiful. And I think it's so great that our, that this generation, what time we're living in is discovering it again, that, radio storytelling through an audio perspective. I mean, we've had storytellers, I mean, those are the first sages almost of history is to pass on stories through an audio perspective. And there's so much that can be accomplished by just telling a story in voice. And I found that in driving around and listening to the old time radio things. And you're right, I, I love the structure of it. I love the storytelling that there's almost like an, there's an intimacy mm -hmm. to a podcast that you're right there with that person. There's no audience, there's no laughter, there's no studio thing going on. You're not in a movie theater surrounded by a bunch of people watching the action star. You are with that person mm -hmm. in their interview, in their discussion, in their story. It's, it's a really special thing. Yeah, and I think as far as like the degree to which the creator lets the consumer create the things in their own mind whereas like if you're reading a book you create the visuals and the sounds if you're watching a movie the visuals and the sounds are given to you and i think podcasts as an auditory medium are a really fun in between where you get a lot of the personality of the creator with their voice but they give you so much freedom to create the visuals with your own mind mm -hmm. yeah i mean how how often this happens to me where i read a book and then it's made into a movie and i'm like that's not it that's mm -hmm. not the way i thought it's the same thing with a podcast. You love books and everyone says the book's better than the movie almost, you know, 99% of the time because you are creating the story too. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with a podcast. You're right that you are finding that element of creativity with the creator of the story. Yeah. So when the iCast Fireball film gets greenlit, who's going to play <laughs> Lance Thalen? Well, obviously <laughs> the skinny elf that's paler than pale and has long flowing hair needs to be played by a, uh, a 5'10", 250-pound bald man. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm perfect for this. Yes. <laughs> I don't, yeah. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's a question I don't think will ever be answered, but if it does, I'm just going to throw out Brad Pitt. We'll just throw that out. <laughs> perfect. Brad, no, Brad Pitt would be terrible for that <laughs> All right, this this gets us to the last part. Well, that doesn't get us to the last part, but we're going to transition <laughs> anyway to our last kind of pillar of our podcast of what we like to focus on, which is this campaign, this character, you as our lore master almost of this thing. You know this campaign. You know this campaign pretty well. I'm going to ask you without doing spoilers because Thomas knows it as well, but when you heard when Thomas was creating this, hey, I want to do, you know, I want to do the Tyranny of Dragons campaign. That must have sparked some things in you, which I want to hear about. First off, what about this campaign, without spoilers, about what's going to happen, what, like, do you groove with with this campaign? Yeah, so this, in a lot of ways, is a very foundational sort of adventure. The game is Dungeons & Dragons, and this adventure has dungeons, and it has dragons. Mm -hmm. um, this was the first full-length adventure that was released for 5th edition. And I think they made a really smart choice with that. 
I mean, there are tons and tons of great adventures for 5e, like Storm King's Thunder is amazing, Curse of Strahd is amazing, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus is amazing, and they all have, like, they all have dungeons in them, but a newcomer coming into it might be like, okay, this is Dungeons and Dragons, why am I fighting giants? Why am I fighting devils? Why am <laughs> I fighting vampires? Yeah. So this adventure is, like, it combines the most iconic imagery of D&D with one of the most iconic villains of D&D, Tiamat herself, the goddess of all evil dragons. This, it's a really great way to bring a lot of the history of D&D into this adventure and some of the most iconic imagery of it as well. Yeah, yeah. and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't we even playing they did a revision of it? Yeah. And we're playing that revised version because it was the first thing to come out, so they... It obviously, even with how creative it was, it had some flaws because it's the first thing to ever come out for 5th edition, the recent mechanics of D&D. And they've revised it, and we're doing that version, correct? Yeah, so it was released in two parts. The campaign arc was titled Tyranny of Dragons. The first book was Horde of the Dragon Queen. The second book was Rise of Tiamat. And they'd wanted to release it as one book, but there were various complications with production schedules and printing and whatnot. So for the fifth year anniversary of fifth edition, they combined them into one book. They updated some things that people weren't super happy about from the original production. And they put together into one big book with a beautiful cover on the front designed by Hydro 74. Like it's after you're done listening to this, go look up tyranny of dragons, Hydro 74. It is so beautiful. I love this book cover. Hashtag no spoilers. Hashtag no spoilers. <laughs> Don't look into the book. Just look at the book. <laughs> awesome. Well, that tells us about the campaign. Now we're going to get to that little kobold. Mm -hmm. That little question mark of a kobold, Fleeple. What wanted you to, number one, you are a druid in this campaign. Mm -hmm. What made you want to be a druid? And on top of that, what brought you to a kobold? Is a very <laughs> rare race to be played. Yeah. And on top of that, this kobold has a personality like no other kobold I think we've seen. So we're gonna we're, we have a lot to dissect in that. Let's start with the druid, then we'll move on to kobold, and then we'll move on to Fleeple himself. Yeah. So druids are they're a Swiss Army knife, and we'll hopefully get into this a little more in depth in a Crunch Squad in the future. But druids they can they've got a lot of good damage dealing spells. They can get into melee with their wild shape. They have a lot of good support and utility spell options. Um, druids, they can do a little bit of everything. And when we were putting our party together, I felt like it was a good, um, a good class to choose as far as filling out some of the needs within the group and being able to flex into different roles as needed. So... There are times when Fleeple is the healer. There are times when Fleeple is the glass cannon. There are times when Fleeple is the brawler. And it's all based on the needs of the encounter in the moment, which one he goes with. Yeah, I'm super... Druids are one of the most impressive classes to me. I would say they're probably... This is my opinion. They're probably, of the player's handbook, the hardest class. Because mm -hmm. they have so much available to them that it's hard to keep track of everything because you got yeah. like you said you have wild shape you have your spells you have possible with wild shape or even just as a druid you could do this you have melee capabilities like they and even the way that they do spells spells which we might get into a crunch squad episode your kind of bonus episodes on the side that certain classes 
do spells differently. In druids, you have to be very careful with what you're selecting, what you're picking every day. You can pick a new compilation of spells, but then you're stuck with those for the day. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much that it's like, okay, what does this do again? Wait, what's this rule? How much distance is this constant? Am I doing too many concentration things? Because you can only do one at a time. <laughs> yeah. And then with Wild Shape, it's not so much even just about I'm going to turn into a big monster and hit people really hard. Sometimes it's, okay, I need to dig. Well, I'll turn into a giant badger. I need to climb up something. Maybe I'll turn into an ape or a giant lizard or something. No, apes can't climb. Baboons? Something. You see, this This is the problem with druids. You, you are proving my point. <laughs> but exactly. that's, I think you're right that they are complicated, but at the same time, for the right mindset, that makes it so fun because mm-hmm. you have so much available to you. Every encounter is going to be something brand new almost every time. Yeah. And we'll get into, you'll be able to see this a little later, but the subclass that I chose for Fleepel gives him even more options as far as being a support caster. He'll be able to do more healing. He'll be able to do more buffing. Uh, I'm really excited for you to get a chance to see that. Yeah. Well, let's move on from the Druid, because that's going to be a Crunch Squad mechanics episode in the future, Mm -hmm. so I don't want to get too much into it. Let's go to Cobalt. (laughs) Yeah. So that is a mystery in itself, a class that originally was not supposed or a race i should say that's not one of the original races to be played and mm-hmm. even with it D over the years expanding so many different ways to play in so many different races and characters and backgrounds you rarely see a kobold get picked mm-hmm. so yeah the book that the kobold stats are in volo's guide to monsters it has a section where it gives player options for a number of monstrous races like goblins and kobolds and bugbears and hobgoblins and yuan tea and all this crazy stuff. And the creators have been like, you know, we weren't really intending for that so much to be used as much as it has been. <laughs> um, so they patched it a little bit uh, in subsequent books. But my love for kobolds is kind of an accident, I guess you might say. Um, one of my first experiences as a dungeon master, I was running a module from... Tales from the Awning Portal called the Sunless Citadel, and there's, I, I don't want to spoil anything for that adventure, but there are some potential social opportunities with a clan of kobolds, and I played that adventure as the DM in such a way that the kobolds were more sympathetic, and I'd never really experienced kobolds before that. Like, goblins, you know goblins from everything, but kobolds are a bit more of a D&D specific thing. So that was my first encounter with them, and the the sympathetic way in which I played them caused me to be like, you know what, kobolds are awesome and they're precious and they're misunderstood. And so I have a deep affinity for kobolds and I I just can't make kobolds be evil. I can't bring myself to do it. Like when, <laughs> Whenever they show up in one of the games that I'm running, all my players are like, this was supposed to be a combat encounter, but now it's not anymore because Ned loves kobolds. Culturally, they've got this really fun thing where they're uh, kind of... They're very lizard-brained, almost in like a dopey dog sort of way. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I love, just in general, I love playing non-standard races because I feel like it brings up a lot of interesting role-playing opportunities. But with Fleeple in particular, the character originated outside of I Cast Fireball, actually. Yeah, let's get to Fleeple himself, this guy. Where is this guy yeah. coming from? Yeah, a couple of years before we started this podcast, Thomas had some friends who'd never played D&D before, and he put together a little mini campaign. Uh, we were running through the Forge of Fury, which also appears in Tales from the Awning Portal. And that was the first time that Jake and I played together. And he played a dwarven bard, and I played a kobold druid named Fleeple. And... 
Uh, some things have changed about the character since that original um, instigation there, but like I knew that I wanted to play a kobold, I knew that I wanted to play a druid, but a lot of the flavoring came about in an interesting way. So there's there's a kobold named Meepo, who is like the quintessential kobold, and because of that, every time I have come up with like an NPC kobold's name, I have the eep syllable somewhere in there. <laughs> and so I was just toying around with that syllable, and I came up with fleeple, and I was like, that sounds kind of like fleece, that sounds kind of like sheep, and hence that's where the fleece came from. Uh, a really stupid way of coming up with something that is very integral to my character, I will say. <laughs> um, but informed a lot of his personality, I think. And later on in the campaign, you'll start to get some sense of where this fleece came from, why the sheep is uh, important to him. But uh, it informs kind of some of his timidity, some of his, you know, desire to be... I mean, he's literally a lizard in sheep's clothing. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't want to be a bad guy. He wants to be a good guy. He's not trying to make it be a disguise. He's trying to make it be a dress for the job you want rather than the dress you have sort of situation. Dress um, for the job you want. I want the job of a sheep. That's great. Yeah. I love it. So, so I had this character kind of in the hopper, as it were. And when Thomas came to us with the idea of we're playing Tyranny of Dragons... I looked at this character and was like, oh, that's actually, that brings up some fun opportunities because kobolds historically are kind of slaves to dragons. They're somewhere in their distant lineage, they're descended from dragons, but it's kind of like, okay, a, a house cat is to a saber-toothed tiger as a kobold is to a dragon, but many, many more degrees separated. Mm -hmm. Kobolds are like ants to dragons. And so with the knowledge that this is a very heavily dragon-based campaign, I knew that playing a kobold would give me some instant investment in the story. And with the party composition coming together the way it was, the desire to play a druid as a very versatile class that can flex into a lot of different roles, it just made a lot of sense to bring him back. Yeah, he's he is a character. And it, it, was, it was interesting. The first, I remember the first episode we do is, you know, kobolds come in and they start attacking and i'm just like oh my gosh ned is a kobold this is crazy that this is the first thing we're fighting and it's literally the race of the character that is a very rare race to have as a character so yeah it it definitely automatically puts you the character into the investment of the story and i will say because again we record pretty well in advance there's some interesting things of culture and faith that come up for Fleeple, and I think we'll continue mm -hmm. to, about yeah. this whole campaign and about what we're really fighting for and what he's really seeking. Yeah, and Fleeple's, his characterization has surprised me, actually. Um, like you mentioned that first episode when the kobolds come running in, uh, I cast, you know, Produce Flame at one of them, and suddenly I realize, oh, I wasn't intending to be the glass cannon but here I am. Um, turns out I'm really good at it. Um, mm -hmm. And so his aggression is something that has surprised me and has kind of led, I think, into a lot of his moral grayness that he's trying to work through. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited to see Filippo's progression, hear more about this backstory that apparently is not there, but every time, every time we have an episode, there's more of it, and I can't wait to dig into this character and how he interacts with the story itself. Yeah. 
All right, Ned, I think we're wrapping up our episode. It was awesome to hear about your whole history with Dungeons & Dragons, your hobbies of geekdom, how it all connects together, and it's just awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see how we continue this down the road. Indeed, indeed. Well, that does it for us here. Thank you so much for listening to this week's special bonus episode of iCast Fireball, our meet and geek episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed talking about our background, talking about geekiness and being a geek and just thriving in that environment. From wherever you get your podcast from, please, please, please leave us a review. We're not just pleading for that because we're desperate. We don't care if we get a lot of views or not. We love telling the story, but we want people to hear it and enjoy it just as much as we're playing it. We're not interested necessarily in building the biggest fan base in the world, but we're interested in getting people to find the stories that they love. It helps us boost our ratings for you to review them on each podcast service offers it, and it puts our show in people's recommended feeds, and it lets us know that you like what we're doing and that we can continue to doing the things that you like. If you want to write a review, please do so, and email us as well. If you want to write something a little bit more personalized and longer, you can email us at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. That's iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we're hoping to get the word out that to set this podcast on fire. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> now, to get the most recent update in content, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the handle iCastFireball20, iCastFireball20. There you can get sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, insight from the players in the DM, behind-the-scenes shots and photographs and funny memes of how we're putting this all together and making this incredibly fun world. Just want to give a quick shout-out to the sister podcast. We've talked about it in this episode, especially with Ned. Improv Tabletop where our resident kobold, Ned, takes a turn as a game master running through a mini one-month adventures using the fate-accelerated tabletop system. Whether you like tabletop games, improv, comedy, or just hearing from Ned, we recommend that you give this a listen. Lastly, again, please like, subscribe, share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. Until next time, I'm Jacob, your host of the Meet and Geek episodes, and we were talking to... Ned Wilcock, who plays... Uh, Fleeple. Fleeple the guy. Fleeple the dude. Fleeple the guy. (laughs) All right, let's keep the fire going, and we'll see you next time.